Fuck Oko. Oh jeez, yeah, God, man. That Jesus, is- all right, Dan. <laughs> I am. I'm a very. I'm a very heavy uh, fuck blue player. And anything, I'm sorry. To, any and anything to deal with it. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, he, it's all good. he was hurt as a child, so you can blame Matt for that. Who hurt you, Matt? Sorry. Welcome to This Week in MTG with your hosts, Matt Olson, JB, and Danny Oakstad. Hello and welcome, Magic Folk, to episode 124 of This Week in MTG, your aggregate news source for all things Magic the Gathering. We're your hosts, I'm Matt. There we got Danny. What's up? And in the big G seat, we have Noah. What's up? And we have with us a special guest, all the way from Michigan. We have the Duke of Drip, the fellow with the fancy foils, Jay, of at MTG Drip. Hi. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. I'm very excited about this. Uh, I've, I've been thinking about it the whole time. I'm like, okay, got questions, going to learn. It's going to be a solid episode. So thank you for, thank you for uh, agreeing to this. And hopefully we don't scare you away. <laughs> but uh, before we jump into the podcast, we got a little bit of business to cover here real quick. And we want to thank everybody else out there that's listening to the podcast. Thank you so much. It means a lot to us that you take the time out of your week to listen to us talk about magic and all this stuff. And uh, we'd also like to give a big thank you and shout out to our patrons who think that this content is worth sending money towards. And for those patrons, we want to give a big thank you to Wade97, Chapman, D Moose, Amu the Fox, Colin, Noah, Slade, Third String Chapman, Nikki, No Modifier, Steve, Jacob, and Christian. Thank you guys so very much for all that. And if you guys want to be crazy and support us too, go check out our Patreon. We have two tiers where you get put in for drawings for packs and commander cards. Links down below for all of that. Uh, if you don't want to support us through uh, Patreon, we do also have playmats available. You can hit us up on any social media site and be like, yo, we want some playmats, and we will send them out to you. They're 20 bucks. They're really dope. And yeah, we send them everywhere. We, we just sent one to Germany, and we are committed. People who want the playmats will get the playmats. Then after that thank you, let's give a big thank you to our amazing sponsor, J-Dubs Sports Cars and Gaming. Let's hear an ad from them now. J-Dub Sports Cards and Gaming, located in West Acres Mall in Fargo, is your one-stop shop for all your Magic the Gathering needs. In the store, you will find a huge selection of sleeves, playmats, and dice for you to personalize your battlefield with. Along with having a large variety of singles in their display cases, there are also binders and boxes for you to browse through. That much selection means that you will always find something you are looking for. J-Dubs is also the place to gather to play a wide array of formats with friends in the community. There is Commander League on Thursday nights, Modern League on Saturday afternoons, and Legacy Leagues on Sunday afternoons. And who can forget Friday Night Magic every Friday evening. J-Dubs has it all, Amonkhet to Zendikar and ways to sleeve, shuffle, and spell sling. Now let's get back to the episode. And thank you, J-Dubs, for sponsoring us. Uh, a couple things with J-Dubs. This Saturday, the 12th, they have their card show going on at 10 a.m. 
They got sports cards, magic cards, and all that other stuff that's going to be going on there. You can check them out. I am definitely planning to attend. Also there, Frame the Game. Cool guy Josh that frames up a bunch of awesome stuff is going to be there. And you can definitely check out his work. Uh, Not sponsored. He's just a great guy and does great work. So if you're in the FM area, go check that out. Okay. Business out of the way. Let's get a quick introduction of our guest here. Jay, want to tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are? I mean, you sat here patiently enough. We got to jump into this. Um, I, I'm 32. I've been playing Magic for about 11 years. So that puts me at around Innistrad, original Innistrad. Um, I play Comp REL when, when that's a thing. My favorite format is Standard or Pioneer. And I love foreign cards, and I love making people happy in the community. And all that stuff is what caught me to you. Um, we, we got a similar uh, Discord that we're part of, the Financial Aids. And that's how I first heard of you and seeing your awesome MTG drip that you post up on Twitter. Thank you. Thank you. That makes me very happy that there are fans out there who uh, enjoy what I do. Yes. Uh, to our listeners out there, if you're following us, Jay is a much better follow than us because he posts cool cards. <laughs> I'm probably going to post some tonight right after this cast. Oh, that's even better. I'm excited to see what they're going to be. All right. So how this episode is going to be laid out for everybody here. We're going to start off with uh, Big G. He did some awesome work and just did a quick meta breakdown of Pioneer, specifically for you, Jay, because we know that you're a big fan of Pioneer. And yes. in, in this section, uh, you can give us your your professional uh, opinions on what do you think of the the pioneer format and stuff so then after we do some event results we're going to move to upcoming events and we're only going to talk about the arena open there as a quick reminder then from there we're going to jump to the news section where we're going to talk about kamigawa coming up and watsi having a new president announced and then just going to quickly touch on the commander rc announcement that happened their quarterly announcement that happened today after all that's done, jump to the finance section, talk about magic cards, and then we'll move to our thought cast where Jay is going to take us and talk about foreign cards, and he, he's just going to be running the show at that point. So hopefully, y'all are ready for this. Buckle up. Now, let's jump into some event results from this Pioneer Challenge that happened last week. So we have, from, from Big G, Prosperous Innkeeper is showing up in 22% of the decks. Let's pull up this link here real quick and see the actual decks that are running through here as soon as this loads. Wait, didn't every tab pulled up? The one tab I did not have open. Come on. Was this one tab? I was but not. A- so many of them had pH in front of them and one didn't have MTG in front of it? Wait, what? pH? Pornhub. Oh, ha. Womp. Joke went over my head there. Kids, if you're listening Which to challenge us. challenge are we looking at? We are looking on the uh, February 6th challenge. There's one that happened on the 5th, too. Okay. Let's see. We'll just look at the the 6th was yesterday, Sunday's challenge. So first up, it was won by a Rakdos deck, which is uh, Lurus Companion with the Vampire. Would you call this like a Vampire package? The new Innistrad Crimson Vow stuff from Vampire's? Kind of, yeah, I'll call it that. And second place was also won by another Rakdos deck with not too much different. Magmatic Channeler going on in here. Now that's a card I like. Card Gas. 
It's 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 the spell goif. It's just a spell yeah. goif that gets you more cards. Yep. And you can never go wrong with something like that. It's a red it's a red goif. That uh that green, uh the taxidermist that makes mana that's also kind of a goif, where if you have more cards in your graveyard, it gets to be a four four as well for two. That one's yep. pretty solid. Uh I don't know if that's gonna be in any of these challenges up here. But in third place, we got as soon as my computer is Oh man, I was, I was talking before the cast. Danny Danny heard me. I'm like, my computer is acting way slower than usual. And it's really affecting. Okay, so we got Jun Sack in third place here. That is a deck that you haven't heard of in a while. Because, you know, Pioneer hasn't been as popular. But it's now starting to pick up more in popularity with the, the announcement of SEG putting them on their their roster of games. It was basically dead as a format for... A very long time. I'd like to say just dormant. It was basically dead. It's kind of a bummer because then they released those like actual pre-built decks for it, and I bought one. It's like I want to use this, but nobody's playing it in paper. <laughs> At least in our area that I'm aware of. Well, modern's still running over everything. I don't mind that. I've been doing well at modern, so <laughs> I haven't played for a long time. In fourth place, we have a blue-white control deck that is companioned by Kahira. And this is just your blue control, go to the late game, slap a Teferi, hero of Dominaria, and wreck face from there. Love the fact. Pioneer, quick reminder, has dig through time in it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Very powerful card that I, I... I don't know. Is it just because Pioneer hasn't been focused on that something like Dig Through Time and uh, Treasure Cruise yes. haven't been put on any chopping block? Yes. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, yes think. and no. It's more or less like um, there aren't fetches in the format, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I got banned earlier on was fetches. I think eventually those cards are going to get hit, but not right away. I think it's going to be one of those things like as the format goes on. I, I, I definitely would believe it. They've shown they've shown power, been powerful in modern to get banned, legacy to get banned. They're in vintage still, right? If at max they would be restricted in vintage. Yeah, I don't. I think they're still in vintage is the thing. But who plays vintage? Except for maybe on, maybe on MTGO. I don't know. I don't play it. But MTGO. So what card? Okay. Uh, Dig Through Time or Treasure Cruise. I'm pretty sure both of those are in there. But you got commander players that love these cards as well. Dig but- Through Time is banned in Historic, Brawl, Legacy, Modern, and Popper, and Standard. Yep, Legacy. It's restricted in Vintage. It's restricted in Vintage? Yes. Oofta. Yeah. Well, because Vintage, you really have to royally mess up to get banned. You either got to be like an anti-card, uh, Luris. Luris. <laughs> I don't... I don't know what other ones are. Oko. Is Oko banned in it? Or is it restricted? I don't know. Let me pull it up real quick. Sure. No, no, no. I think Oko did get... Did he fully get banned? I think he he was also fully banned there. The only place that... No, no, no. I think Vintage is the only place you can play him. Commander, you can play him. Everything else. Uh, Out. He is legal in Commander and Vintage. Boom. He's been banned in everything else. Rip Oko. But in fifth place, we have the tried and true Pioneer deck Arclay Phoenix. And if Dex, I'm not, Dex busted. They're running Temporal Trespass in here, and I think that's some of the new tech that 
that that Phoenix players are starting to use as like another way to to help pump through their damage of Phoenixes that they just brought out on the field. It's like we load up the graveyard, then if we have temporal trespass because they're churning through this deck so fast with expressive iteration, charter course, opt consider and stuff. So it's like they're gonna they're gonna draw it, take that extra turn, and they have the gas to just make it three blue. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're just using it as a uh, basically a relentless assault, more so yeah. than anything. Um, that if you cast if you are casting that card nine times out of ten, you are way more ahead than you should be. Mm-hmm. And it's only a one of in the deck. Yeah, there's a reason why. Love the fact that it's in there. My and favorite card in the deck is pieces of the puzzle. Pieces of the puzzle is the revealed top five. At sorcerer speed for two and a blue, reveal top five of your library, put two instants and or sorceries from among them into your hand, and the rest into your graveyard. That's pretty solid. Because mm-hmm. that's that digs you five deep for three mana. So card selection on a divination for oh at sorcery speed, that's fine. But that's yeah, that's pretty nice. You're hitting you're getting a lot of good hits because in this deck you got 31, 31 t- uh, options to hit from it, ranging from considers to charter courses to lightning axes. Into temporal trespass. In sixth place, we got a red white burn deck. Uh, burn? Uh, no. Heroic. Heroic. Is this the uh, the new like aggro deck that pioneer players are taking, choosing over burn? Then. Uh no. So basically, like the format has gotten very aggressive since um there is a bunch of combo decks in the format. Um, this is one of the decks that has definitely popped up since then to uh, especially take on uh, decks like Jeskai, uh, Jeskai Ascendancy and Control ah, Jeskai, and Arclight. Jeskai Ascendancy, that does not have uh, winning results in the top 32? No, I do not see a Jeskai one. It might be one of these... Seventh place. Seventh place, the, the exact next one. There we go. <laughs> Just over that. But a deck with Dreadhorde Arcanist, I am sold. It's running the new Ancestral Anger from Crimson Vow. I'm a fan of yeah, that card. Yeah, card's gas. It's so good. One mana trample, uh, one mana plus one, plus O, oh, and then it can get bigger if there's more in your graveyard, and it draws you a card. It draws you a card. A combat trick that draws you a flippin' card. I'm like, I saw this, I'm like, I feel this like pairs very well with Dreadhorde Arcanist. Even though Dreadhorde naturally has trample, pumping it up still is good because then... You can still flashback a Boros Charm. Yeah, and this list honestly looks pretty cheap. I mean, any list that's running a bunch of small pump cantrips usually is, but this looks quite fun. $190 on Card Kingdom. $190? All because of the four Sacred Foundries. Oh. (laughs) That's why. (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah, that's... Yeah, take take out the four Sacred Foundries and four Inspiring Vantage, and the deck's 90 bucks. Perfect. That's what I like to hear. In seventh place, as Jay mentioned and I missed, is we have the Jeskai Ascendancy combo here. And this is one where it's like they're casting spells, untapping things, and... You're dead. This is what Jeskai Ascendancy does. It makes all the mana, it makes its lands into creatures, and then pumps the creatures, and then just slaps you. It slaps you. It's like Storm, except after the combo. Storm after the combo. (laughs) And I don't think there's much... Too much tech from new tech that to Jeskai Ascendancy that wasn't there before, correct? Like when Jeskai Ascendancy was first getting thumbed around in Pioneer's conception, correct, Jay? 
not really. Um, treasure cruise. Yeah, treasure cruise. Uh, portable hole. Portable hole is a thing because it actually takes out a permanent. Oh, it does. Um, silence, because like at your at your opponent's upkeep, you can literally, or when at your opponent's upkeep or at your upkeep, you can stop them from playing spells, and you can just you can just go off that on that on your turn and kill them. Silence is very key to causing a lot of those to like, hey, this is what I'm doing. You have nothing else to say about it. Sorry. Yes, you're dead. <laughs> and then finally, in eighth place, we have a mono black. Uh, this is completely new. Jay, do you know about? Oh, yeah, the mono black artifact deck? Yeah, that has deadly disputes and looks like it's making blood tokens with blood fountain. Uh, it's the mono black improvised deck. Yeah, this deck is gas. And then they just go for the the big drain of Battle at the Bridge? Yeah. Yeah, you just gain life, kill your things, and where's the what's the, what's the win condition in this that just takes out your opponent? You just out attrition them and a Herald Karn. Of Ang- uh Herald of Anguish, Karn. It just closes the game at that point. Yeah, you just close the game with Karn. Yeah, and this is a uh, Scion of Urza, not the the war, the spark one. Yeah. This is good. That is a yeah, that you is just, Karn you don't see often. You, yeah, you just make you're you're gonna see it more often now, especially after this week. God, you so, have you have a bunch of artifacts and you start making uh construct tokens. So one of the things, uh, the, some of the top cards that have been played in this, up and comer, deadly dispute has been in twenty twenty two percent of the decks, twenty seven copies. That is the uh the black one, uh black one instant speed sack creature artifact, draw two cards, make a treasure. Yep. That, and it is and it is three dollars. Jesus Christ. And that's a common. That's a common from AFR. That doesn't surprise me though, because at least looking at EDH rec data, it's been super popular as an include. I don't have the actual data pulled up in front of me, but it's it's been very popular as another a form to cantrip in black and do sack outlets. Yeah, there is no downside to that card whatsoever. None at all. Uh, so quick, quick little side tangent. What do you think of that new black instant speed spell where you gain life? It does the exact same as Deadly Dispute, almost, but it gains you life instead. Same requirement, second artifact, second creature. Draw two cards, and you gain you life. You talking about the one from one mana? Yeah. Card's gas. That is also good. Okay. Because what? You're going to see like maybe, what, a 4-2 split of Deadly Disputes to this uh, card coming out in Kamigawa? Yep, I, th- I feel that's that's going to be what people test, even outside of like Pioneer. An- another card people should probably pay attention to is a uh, Tamio Safekeeping. Tamio Safekeeping—that's the new one from Kamigawa, right? Yeah, that card's messed up too. See, so it's a blue one, isn't it? It's yeah. the green one. Mm. Okay, green. It's showing the one mana green. <laughs> that's <right>? this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that seems pretty sweet. Yeah, for one mana. Yeah, shore up your life a little bit and. Uh... Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yep. So also, we have a lot of copies of Prosperous Innkeeper. It's in 22% of the decks of this last challenge, 24 copies. But there wasn't any that really showed up in the top eight there at all. Uh, Prosperous Innkeeper is uh, at ETPs. You make a treasure, and then whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. It's a soul sistery kind of thing that also uh, ramps you. It nets you back some mana, at least. Yes. And is that a card that is... Is that a good? Is that a good card as as much as people think it is? I mean, I've always liked that card because anything that like ETBs make a treasure, 
I feel that's something that people always got to like keep an eye on. It's just straight value. Yeah, it's quite good because you're you're doing a little bit of ramping at two mana. You're okay to have a, I guess I'd say a modern soul sister. It's it's a good time. And then late and then later in the game, it just gains you life. Yeah, you're just anything that enters. It's not a cast. It's an enters and it does this. Yep, it's the reason why it's so good in Winota. Oh my god, and Winota. That is a deck. As soon as Werewolves came out and I saw started seeing that there's the, the Naya Wynota lists, I'm like, oh, that is clever because it it's good for the deck. The humans attack, trigger the Wynota, and then or, or no, the, the the werewolves attacks gets more out that way. And it's all in the same card. Yep, and it's good with Tovar's Huntmaster because Tovar's Huntmaster, when it enters, it creates two werewolf tokens. Is is it just because Wynota, the deck itself, is like so high on mana that is cause i mean i guess we can't look at this one challenge for everything here but is a potential reason why it didn't show up in like top eight here for winota i wouldn't say that um it fluctuates actually like sometimes i've seen in the top eight and sometimes i've not the meta just literally it's literally like in a wave it just fluctuates right we we got that's uh, what i enjoy about the format we got a couple winotas in 17th and 23rd place here and mm-hmm. they got the Prosperous Innkeepers, and they got the Aberbrook Caretakers, and Torvalol Huntmasters going on in this. Oh, and Eskis uh, Chariot. Caretakers messed up. That thing is just a house. Uh, cool, you can't target my things. And it just puts plus one counters on things. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it, what it is with Wizards lately, and uh, having six mana cards that do busted things. It's not like it's that hard to be getting out six mana spells uh, anymore because you got all this awesome like low drop ramp and and treasures that can cast you this and still have backup to do more and protect that six drop spell. Yes, yes. I'm in uh, goldspan dragon. Goldspan dragon. Oh, and speaking of goldspan dragon, maybe we'll cover this at another point. But the the, the alchemy changes to it, and maybe we'll uh, we'll ask in the end how you feel on alchemy Jay. And, and that we have thoughts yep okay so that's the event results links down below for that now for the the only upcoming thing we're going to talk about which is kind of big is the arena open coming out february 26th and 27th for kamigawa neon dynasty it's going to be day one sealed day two draft you pay your gems you get in you get your wins, you move to the next day, and you have a chance to win $2,000, <laughs> which is still really good. I like that that Wizards is definitely committing to doing like arena opens and stuff like this. Like, It's not limited to one person getting that kind of money, but it opens up. It's, it's a good way for online competitive. And it's draft and sealed, and people really love those formats more than Alchemy or Standard at the moment on Arena. It's Standard and Standard 2.0, not Alchemy. We don't say that word here. <laughs> okay, so we are going to jump now into the news here and start by covering some Kamigawa news. Danny. Holy shit, the color changed. I was going to say that if you didn't do any. I got you. I Thanks. got you. I'm prepared um, for this. So let's begin the news section with some Kamigawa stuff. With the new Kamigawa Neon Dynasty set available to view online, there's only a short time left until its official release, which is next week. Remember that this weekend there will be pre-releases going on, so check with your LGS to see if they have events or take-home kits to participate in. If you're in the Fargo area, go ahead and uh, check out J-Dub for their jam-packed 
pre-release weekend. Now only, now only are there. Okay, I hate these words. Now only are there pre-release events happening. Not, that's my bad. It's supposed to be a T, not a W. Yeah, I was gonna say these words don't make sense. I type fast and I have a hard God time proofreading sometimes. I apologize, Danny. Not only are there pre-release events happening to usher in Kawagama, but there is a music collab to be its soundtrack. Hatsune Miku, a voice void software voice bank, and MWK, not even going to try to pronounce it. No, it, it's just MWK as far okay. as I know. Okay, well, you could have capitalized it. Uh, but that's how it is on uh, there. Whatever. A Japanese electronic artist made a song called Connected to Celebrate, or a song called Connected, to celebrate Kawagama. You are seriously ne- you all seriously need to check this out. The links will be below as always. Set releases, music collabs, and what else could there possibly be in the days to come leading up to Kawagama? Well, it was announced last week the Wizards Magic Twitter there will be a vir- visual novel for the first time ever. The story will follow you as quote, a samurai entrusted with the important mission or with an important mission. Uh, your decisions impact the storyline as you explore multiple locations, meet a plethora of characters, and some cameos of content creators of Sweet Anita, uh, Shirk, was it Shirk Joka? I think so. Uh, the Asian Avenger and Chocolate Kareen, or Karen. This novel will be available on Max and Windows February 9th in English, Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Also, you... You have until the 10th to get your Arena Bundle pre-ordered for either the Wander Bundle, which has 50 packs, the Wandering Emperor card, and matching depth art card style, and the Keto Bundle, which has the Koi Pet, uh, Set Mastery Pass, and multiple draft tokens such as, or plus a Keto Shin- wow, Shinzuki card and depth art card style. Fuck you, man. Proofread your shit. It was just a now and a not. Proof read your shit. Otherwise, it was all golden. Proof read your shit. See, I was going to say, I don't know most of these content creators, but I know the Asian Avenger, that is Krim over at MTG Goldfish. Correct. So at at least I know that. Yeah, uh, the other content creators, I don't know them, but the fact that Wizards are putting them into a story is kind of cool. That you know they're reaching out and be like, hey, we wanna, we wanna put you in a visual story. It's got, it. The, the, there's a video links down below. You should check it out. It looks really cool. Yeah, I, I said that. I, I'm reiterating because it looks cool. The video is in there, and it's just, it's just like also your, said that your tip, your typical kind of visual story where you you meet characters, you click responses, and then you go on. Uh, that's that's the only information that they have on the story right now. Is it now? From what I read, that's yes. good. At least you read that right. I read a lot of things right. Writing things right, that's a different story. Eyes work, his hands don't. Yes. You're green. Oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. Okay, next, uh, a little bit of Hasbro news. Uh, next, Hasbro announced they have appointed a Wizards of the Coast president and a vice president. Cynthia Williams will take the will be taking the position of president on February 21st. Cynthia joins uh, Wizards of the Coast after working at Microsoft as a general manager vice president, and as part of the gaming ecosystem commercial team. The role of the vice president and general manager of digital gaming goes to Tim Fields. He worked prior to being hired at Wizards of the Coast as CEO of Comba Games, a mobile video game company where they made games like 
uh, Marvel Contest of Champions and Disney Mirrorverse. He also will be starting February 21st. Link to the full Business Wire article below in the show notes. People are saying that uh, Microsoft is taking over Watsy now. Good. Get their shit in order. They, they buy... Sure. They buy, was it Blizzard or Bethesda that they bought? Blizzard. It was Blizzard. If I could get a Master Chief card, even if it's just treatment, I would love that. Yeah, it's they bought Blizzard, so they now own Call of Duty. What, what card would be the skinned Warthog? The Warthog would be some kind of vehicle. What current vehicle? Would it be a current vehicle in Kamigawa that they made, or is it going to be a completely new, like, uh, universes beyond Warthog? <laughs> I don't know. My immediate thought is is the Dermo Taxi, but Ooh. that's just because that's the closest thing to a car that I can think of. Dermo Taxi is a good card. Yeah. And now for some Commander RC news. They just posted their quarterly update article on the Commander format. They note some cards that are topics of concerns on the internet, such as Tergrid, God of Fright, Dockside Extortionist, and Thassa's Oracle. The RC believes that these cards haven't reached a level of concern for their tar- target demographic, and the demographic, which we talked about a few episodes back, are players who are invested in their group and the kind of experience that that group has as a whole. Also, the RC mentioned that there were some internal adjustments on how the RC and the CAG will interact leading up to set releases. So we got we got some crosshairs on some cards here, potentially. Not as bad as people were calling out over the weekend. Yeah, you know, they highlighted them. First of all, though I have my own opinions about some of these cards, and I do believe some of them lead to more frequently unfun game states. Uh, yeah, I don't have any strong opinions about these cards being banned. I don't think Thassa's Oracle should be banned at all, but no, I think it's fine. Jay, are you a commander player? Uh, no, but I kind of sort of follow it. Just for the just for the finance ex- uh, aspect of it and how it like really shakes up what magic cards are worth, or more of like the the, the following because the following. Uh, just the following. Understandable. Pioneer is definitely where it's at still for a. Yep. We're not Canadian. <laughs> All right. That's what we got for the news section right now. We're going to quickly fly over to the stock section, the conjured currency, where we talk about magic card and magic card prices. As always, we read the amazing article, the Weekly Winners, done by mtgstocks.com, where they talk about three to five cards that are moving up in price and three to five cards that are moving down in price. So to start off this week, First card we have is Artificer's Intuition. For blue one, you get an enchantment that reads blue. Discard an artifact card from your hand. Search your library for an artifact card with converted mana cost one or less. Reveal that and put it in your hand. Then shuffle your library. This was first printed in Fifth Dawn and has had a ridiculous spike in price of 15,000%. Now has a average price of 43 bucks. But as of today... You can still find some copies online for about $12. Market price of seven, average of 16. Foils of this card are going for $86 right now. Uh, I will mention Card Market over in Europe because I know we have some European listeners. You can find them on Card Market for nine. But with Kamigawa getting spoiled, fully spoiled now, um, Artifact Synergies has been shown to be very very prominent in this set and it pairs very well uh artificer's intuition pairs very well with a card that was spoiled containment construct 
For two colorless, you get an artifact creature construct for a 2-1. Whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard. If you do, you may play that card this turn. And people online are nutso for this and the synergies that this has. You discard cards, but you still can get the card because you can play them. It's not a cast. So if you discard land, you can get it. But in this case, you are discarding artifacts and you're able to play those artifacts without having to worry about like reanimating them and stuff. Jay, have you seen this card before, Containment Construct? Yep. Okay. What are its implications in Pioneer then? Is this going to be a solid like combo enabler in there? Possibly. Will it fit? I don't know if there's any like huge discard style decks, but I know like EDH wise. Things like this, the most, the one I can usually think of is like a bag of holding. Um, that's a way for red decks to do the whole looting thing and then still get, generate card advantage through looting. Now, is that something in Pioneer that you could see coming? You know, is is this something that would fit in a shell that's already existing, or would there have to be a deck in Pioneer that would have to be specifically designed to abuse these style of effects? Pioneer is so still vast and unexplored is the word I'm looking for. Okay. So I think there would have to be something new that would have to pop up in order for it to take advantage of that card. Okay, gotcha. It's not like you're running low on like discard effects. You got that one from that really good card that discards cards that I like from Midnight Hunt. It's red one instant speed. You can discard up to two cards, and then you draw up to that many cards. And then it also has a, a lightning bolt on the back end for a creature. Yeah, it's not a braid, but it's like it. Or they remind me of each other. Yeah, uh, it draws you cards and discards you cards. So, I don't know. R- red is very good at discarding cards, but black is too, of like discard a card from your hand. Oh, yeah. So, I don't... so this is... Uh, we got Artificer's Intuition moving up in price because... There's also a very solid combo with Lion's Eye Diamond, surprise, surprise, <laughs> and Elixir of Immortality. In the article, they go over a 12-step piece to get this combo going and kill your opponent with Walking Blista. So I will leave that for you to read if that is something that piques y'all's interest. And let's move on to the second one, the second weekly winner of Sanctum of All for Wooburg you get a legendary enchantment shrine that reads, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may search your library and or graveyard for a shrine card, put it onto the battlefield. If you search your library this way, shuffle. If an ability of another shrine you control triggers while you control six or more shrines, that ability triggers an additional time. This card has jumped up 143%, chilling around $2.09 as of Friday, but as of today, Monday, it is still going up. We have a market price of $4, an average price of around 5 Foils of this card are going for about 6 bucks. Um, card markets, going to highlight card market here again, you can buy them for $0.02 cents, apparently. Jeez. So this is where this is where like some of that arbitrage that we're going to be talking about here in a second, Jay. Like if you know more about that, I'm definitely intrigued to know how those prices are such drastically different. Some uh some uh car some car markets uh lag behind, and some car markets are ahead. I'll touch on that a bit later in the foreign part. Awesome, I am excited. So this card is moving up because we had a crap ton of shrines shown up. And these shrines 
are different shrines because they are shrine creatures, but they're not creature type shrine. They're a creature with no creature type. So uh, that was something that was clarified by Aaron Forsyth on Twitter that you got uh, Goshinta of Shared Purpose, Goshinta of Ancient Wars, Goshinta of Boundless Vigor, uh, Goshinta of Hidden Cruelty, and Goshinta of Lost Wisdom. All of them are legendary enchantment creatures, shrine, but the shrine is not a creature type. So you can't like do something of... Um, like changelings are the biggest concern you, of like, oh, hey, if shrine is now a creature type, just play changelings and you'll trigger your shrine stuff a bunch. That's not how it works. Correct. You also forgot uh, Goshinta of Life's Origin. Oh, yes. Of Life's Origin. I saw that one. And I was like, hey, I'm making a five-color shrine deck. Oh, dude. It, it looks fun. It, it does. It really does. So shrines are moving up in price because of all these shrines coming out in uh, Kamigawa. So keep an eye on all other shrines as well. And then finally, in the weekly winners, we have a card called Meltdown. This card, originally from Urza's Saga, reads Red X Sorcery. Destroy each artifact with a mana value of X or less. It jumped up 87%, and it's now at $13.28 as of Friday. But Monday, when we record, market price is around $8.48 and an average price of $12. Um, and on card market, you can get them for six. This card has been moving up in price due to some legacy eight cast decks becoming uh, a thing where they're dropping a lot of uh, the, the eight cast deck is dropping a lot of low drop artifacts like Retrofitter Foundry, Aether Spellbomb, Mishra's Bobbles, uh, Mox Opals, and stuff. And this is just a solid way to like really deal with that deck. It just wipes that deck out. And it's a very good sideboard piece and pretty often swerves Chalice of the Void because you can make X bigger than whatever they have Chalice of the Void set at. They have a list that you can look at in the Weekly Winners article here, and you can definitely go check that out. Now, Noah, you want to tell us about these cheap pickups here? Yeah, sure. You want to scroll up a little bit? The first cheap pickup for all of you Commander players is Archaeomancer's map. Uh, it's currently sitting at stable it's about twelve dollars right now um of course an easy pickup if you're in a non-green deck that involves lands or as a general include in uh, mana starved decks uh for commander in white it's a great card for that it's simply an artifact that costs uh white to colorless when it etbs i believe you go grab two planes out of your library and chuck them into your hand and then whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control and if that opponent has more lands than you you get to take a land from your hand and put it on the field so it becomes uh burgeoning in white if i'm not mistaken i think this is one of the first cards that wizard showed of like hey we are helping white with uh, their ramp and i think it's the last one that they helped white win Oh, with no. their ramp. No, you got that new one in the, the, the commander decks. Yeah, the, the new vehicle that's interesting. Oh, my God. Like, not bad, but... We I, did... I, again, it's just commander. It's not the actual white players. For those who play white commander, yeah. not those who play white modern, oh, standard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. pioneer. Yes. Yeah. They, but... they, don't help, they don't help the 60 card decks. I don't know, but white 60 card decks are already good. Like, you can look at, you know, modern white decks. White is always a solid. They got a solid prismatic s- ending and they got. Uh, solitude. Solitude. 
They have Teferi. They you have can access count. to Luris. Again, Teferi's not just white. Yeah, but he can go into a white deck. Like, white is still a very solid color. They have to splash blue. But blue and white just pair. Well, what about Mwah. Soul Sisters? Ooh, Soul Sisters. There we go. Well, that's a nightmare of a deck. Just the trigger. I built it once, and it's just trigger, 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 trigger and I, I missed a million triggers. Uh, the next thing on here, though, is uh, Rejuvenating Spring, which is the a currently sitting at $7.20, so it's stable. Um, it is from Commander Legends, part of the enemy-colored uh, Enter the Battlefield, counting the number of opponents you have. It enters untapped if you have basically more than one opponent, and it taps for Simic. So really easy mana fixing. You may as well pick them up now because, uh, as the old adage goes, always invest in real estate. Facts. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, speaking of real estate, our third fella on here is Fabled Passage. It is also stable now, sitting at a super expensive $5.33. My coffee yesterday cost more than that. Um, <laughs> once again, it is a it can typically fetch an untapped land in and I always speak from from commander perspective. It's just another good fetch land in commander. Uh, in pioneer, I does it see a lot of use in pioneer? That'd be more a question for you, Jay. Yes. Perfect, succinct. I like it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, just pick up real estate. Yes. Yeah, it's it's a better volume wilds. Yeah. Far. Yes. That's all it is. I got it's, it's it's a it's a better late game volume wilds where it comes in untapped. I got hope. And it's that. reprintable. Very yep. reprintable. I think they've already reprinted it three times. Well, no, they original got... printing, uh, M20. Theros. In Theros? Uh, no, it... Throne. Sorry, Throne. Yeah, yeah. Throne of Eldraine. Yeah, Throne's the original printing. And then the... Um, Core 2021. And then... The buy. They had the Love Your LGS thing where he spent 50 bucks. Yep, the WPN the, gateway promos. Yeah, the cool old border one. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I I literally went on eBay that day and just bought a set for like sixty dollars. Dude, that's so worth it because the art it, it pairs so well with the old border on that. I don't know, like the art of the tree just looks so good with the old border and the. Mm. Yes. I think that there's a lot of like, it looks very classic. Um, the art itself is is very brown, and has a very classic, rustic look. Yeah, rustic look to it. So. When you remove that gold, that big boxy golden framing, and you're sitting in more of the old, I honestly I don't even remember what color old lands look like anymore. It's more of, okay, kind of brownish. It looks way better. Your eyes will naturally now focus more on the hole in the center. Yeah, they go to the light. Yeah. 100% agree. Well, there you have it, Magic Folk. That's the Conjured Currency section. And now. Let us jump into this thought cast here and start to pick Jay's mind. I, I was going to say that was probably the fastest episode we've ever done. I know. I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. It's like, holy cow. It's what? It's 808. It's eight. It's 808. Because we've, we done, wanna, we've done it in an hour, bro. Because we want to spend like as minutes. much time with you, Jay, as we, as we can. Proof that you'll, of concept. That you'll allow possible. us. We, we want to respect your time, but we definitely want to ask you things. Okay. So we got to cover up. Uh, we... we the, the, the pioneer stuff we got to touch on that uh and i'm pretty sure we'll have more pioneer questions as things go on but let's start off with what is mtg drip and like what do you do with mtg drip so like mtg drip is basically like what you make of it whether it's like foils foreign 
um, alternate art, whatever the case may be. We always see, I always see people uh, po- posting in the, with a hashtag MTG drip and then like at you, like drip approved. And then you, yes. give, you give the approval of the drip. Yes, I do. And people post such good stuff too. I love. Yes, people, they do. I love piece, people posting like their fancy things that they're getting. What is the best drip that you have seen posted at you? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, here I'll I'll post his his uh I'll, I'll post one for him real quick if I can actually operate Twitter. <laughs> um. Oh. Uh. Let Let me. Go on this person's Twitter. No, I just got to find the photo. Because at the time, like, when I asked people, um, when I asked people, um, like, please post your drip, Missouri MTG, like, one day, like, he chimed in and he posted, um, he posted power. I'm like, all right, yep, 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 you win. That's a big dick on the table. Okay. (laughs) Yep, basically. I'm like, all right, fam. Yep. Someone comes to the someone comes to the table with power. You respect that, mm-hmm. yeah. I I just I just at you on Twitter on our MTG account. Tell me if that's drip approved. <laughs> live live drip ratings right now, folks. Oh Jesus! All right. Yep. Yep. It's, it's that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> that 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 is Danny's classic right there. His, <laughs> his pride and joy that he is a fan of. That how long did you wait for that to get approved? Because he, uh, he about started, a year. He he started he put that in to PSA at just before the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic happened and everything was like backed up. And we had like on the episode like uh bi weekly updates where we'd be like, Hey, did you get anything yet? And he's like, No, we haven't been informed. And then when it finally happened, it was it was it was it was a great day. So nice. long time. Yeah, it took me about a year to get that one back. Okay. So other people's drip, what is your best drip that you have acquired? I have acquired. Yeah. Oh. Uh. Where do I start? Um. Start from have, the bottom. Um. I have foil con. I have foil carn. Uh. I have foil Japanese carn sign of Urza's. Um. I have foil alt. I have foil uh borderless um Aron's epiphanies in Japanese. Most most of the stuff I'm naming is in Japanese. I have uh borderless goldspan dragons. What else do I have? I have the uh, secret layer uh, to fairies. That's actually one of my favorites for several reasons. Oh my god, they're so um, good. they're the embodiment they're, of they're wholesomeness so in a card. They're so good. Was uh, um, was that the secret layer for the? Was that the charity secret layer they did? Not this year, but last Black year. Black is magic. Black is magic. Yeah, that was Black is magic the year before. Yep. Gotcha. Um, what else do I have? I'm actually looking at my box. Let me pull my box up. Well, and while you're doing that, Jay, so do you, because different languages have different, in my opinion, beauty standards. It sounds like you prefer Japanese. Is that your preferred uh, foreign when you have it? Or is there any certain group that you like more than others? For languages? Yeah, yep. Uh, In terms of languages, I usually go with Japanese because of aesthetics. Okay. Same. I'm. I'm the same with. But I prefer Koreans. And it's. Uh. It's actually. It's actually the easier one. It's actually the. Uh. I think it's actually the second most printed language. I believe. Oh, right behind English. I think. I believe so. You know. I. I would believe that. 
Um, another As another one of my favorite another one yeah, of my favorite exactly. drifts, which is I recently got, is the uh, uh the extended art uh memory foil memory delusions. <sighs> oh yeah, that'd be very pretty. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, another one that everyone seemed to like was uh, the Just Guys Sentences that were uh, pre-release foils. Oh, the pre-release oh, foils nice. too. So they got the stamp on there. Yeah, and it's in Japanese, surprisingly. I'm like, oh, snap. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, plus the aesthetic of the set. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, yeah. that's that trifecta there. So, hold, yes. hold on. The, the, the pre-release stamp is written in Japanese as well? Yes. Okay. Oh, I didn't know they did it like that. Makes sense. I just never thought of it. Yeah, nor did yeah. I. Okay, that's it, really cool. I can actually probably send you a picture of it while you have more questions. <laughs> Perfect. So I ask about your drip specifically to lead into this next question because I know you definitely post a lot of Japanese cards and stuff. So how do you go? What is your process of picking up Japanese cards? Um, do you start off by doing uh, the, the, the arbitrage to Haruya is the market in Japan, correct? That sounds correct to me. Do you go through them first or do you like start through like TCG player and filter specifically for Japanese cards? So so now you're asking me to reveal uh, like some of my secrets of how I get cards Ooh, because, during, because during the pandemic people were asking how I got cards and because Japan Post was not shipping out car. Japan Post wasn't shipping out anything in America. Really? Okay. Yes, and people were asking how I was getting cards. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm not going to reveal who it is, but I am. At one point, I did have an arbitrator. Okay. I still do, and I got them to ship me cards. Well, that is very effective. So, was there was there like a level of a level of arbitration? Uh, even outside of just having a personal person do this for you, like what was the way before the pandemic uh, where they stopped shipping and stuff? Would you just go to the the Japanese websites for um, these cards? TCG Player, mainly TCG Player, and um, I know someone like in Michigan, like multiple people in Michigan. One of the main people I go to uh, is his name is Dan Cato, owner of Gamers Gauntlet. Shout out to Dan Cato, by the way. Um, He's one of the main people I go to for like Japanese cards if I ever need anything. I'll like message him like maybe like a week or two before I'd be like, hey, do you have this? Yes or no, and he'll let me know and he'll charge me a he'll charge me a price accordingly. Okay. And that is definitely a, a very solid way. So when it comes to is that just one of those things to like try and pick up foreign cards in in, in America, you got to have somebody that you know who gets the foreign cards because when uh, one thing that i think of is how easily japanese cards were available in america was back to war of the spark when they had the japanese boxes where you could get the anime treatment planeswalkers and stuff and those were a big deal and those were sold a lot and then you had a lot of like war of the spark japanese cards but then you don't get a lot of uh foreign language cards in like ikoria and stuff as mm-hmm. easily as you would for War of the Spark and stuff. So that that difference, what can you what, what can you like shed on that difference there? So like that that set in particular, I think was something special. And in that particular set, I remembering, I'm rem- I'm remembering like just like going up to a, any store in general and able to like open up a pack and next thing be like, oh okay, I'm able to get a Narset or a Teferi 
or a uh, Tibble or um, or Nissa, as opposed to like um, yeah, like or Ikoria. Like if I like if I wanted Japanese cards in Ikoria, I would either have to go to like Hyrulea TCG player or message someone and be like, hey, I need such and such. Like when I um, like when I first got my uh, Triumphs and non and uh, alternate art non foil. Um, I had to go searching around for them in like different people. So there's still a little bit of a challenge to try and get foreign cards uh, to, to, to have easier access to foreign cards in America because uh, in America you just buy, everybody's mainly buying like English boxes. English, and yes. And that's what they're Lame. getting. Like, and I imagine, <laughs> hey man, I don't even know what my cards do, nor do my opponents. They just have to look nice. I play, I know what, I think like, Every EDH deck I have usually has one foreign card where I still have to double check the wording, even if I played with it for three or four years. I'm like, oh, this is Russian Mirror Wing Dragon. Crap. I got to bust out the, you know, bust out what the actual breakdown on this thing is. I don't remember what it does. And it works really well for Modern, too. Maybe that's why I've been winning lately. <laughs> use it. Because your opponent's probably sitting there like, what does that card do? And yeah. then, like, it Just, doesn't register real quick until they're dead. Yeah. So. Yep. Oh god! No, no, no! I'm just agreeing with him. Finishing the comment out. So, so Jay, you, we were talking about card market and stuff uh, a little yeah. bit ago. What can what 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 work have you done like through card market and stuff? And like, what do you know of like purchasing cards through card market? Like, does card market being in Europe? I imagine they are going to have a lot more uh, Italian cards or uh, Portuguese cards or Russian cards, a lot more accessible to them i know you definitely stay more on the japanese side but how how much I, with card market stuff how, how often do you like branch out in different languages then so i haven't done too much work in card market um if i want something like in particular like russian or italian i usually have an arbitrator for that as well too and um i usually end up doing my homework on that for example like i wanted a russian nissa steward of elements and it was on a TCG player for like $34. Oof. That, it was in foil. And I was like, all right. Okay. Um, I, I kind of figured I was going to be paying a bit more because it was in Russian. Any any other language, I probably would have said no. But just because it was in Russian, it just like was a lot more um, aesthetically Ru- appeasing? Russian foils are... um. Russian Russian is one of the least printed languages. I was going to say, that kind of goes into a point when, when you had me on where... And because you actually do it, and I just talk out of my ass, is there, as I've understood it, there is a, when it comes to pricing out foreign foil cards, the Uh language does matter because, if I remember correctly, Russian was always going to be your most expensive one, and then it goes to some of the East Asian ones, and then it goes to some of the European ones. Then I think the South American ones is, I think that's the rough order. That that is just about the rough order. Um, that is the reason why I like like rush like Russian like boiled lore and thoughts are ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Okay. I know I heard a claim somewhere that there's more English there's way more English product sold in Russia than there is Russian product sold in Russia. Yes, because um English English uh English is more liquid than uh Russian product. Cool, you're just validating all the stuff I was able to speak out of my ass a couple weeks ago. So thank <laughs> same, you. Same thing in Japan. Like, so like if you ever go on like Hyrule, like you'll notice like 
um, you'll notice like English cards like mostly sell up before Japanese cards because English is liquid. Mm-hmm. Like you can easily hawk a, like hawk an English card. If I'm not mistaken, Jay, uh, you also are a host on Brewing with Convictions podcast, and yes. A couple episodes ago, you were talking specifically about keeping an eye on the Japanese market due to Pioneer, how uh, Pioneer is super big over there and their prices are cheaper and how uh, they're buying the or the the prices are cheaper over here in America because they're cheaper because Pioneer doesn't get played as much. And because of that, English Pioneer staples are moving to Japan easier because they want them more. Correct. For the most part, yes. So basically, what happened was like um, when Japan actually, when Japan actually like loose, loosened up a bit per se, um, and they allowed like in-person events, like players hungered for that, and then like one of the most cheaper formats was Pioneer, so they just hawked towards it, and then I started noticing it when um, the check land started drying up, and I, and I thought to myself, I was like. Why are the check? Why are the check? Why are all the check lands gone? And I was like, "Oh, they're picking up on Pioneer." And then I realized that after the first and like second tournament, I'm like, "They started picking up on Pioneer." Then I really noticed it after like Foil Bedevil like shot up in price, and it was like nine to ten dollars a hit. Bedevil? Yeah, it just shot up. It is is, is Bedevil like seeing play in these uh, Rakdos Vampire Arcanist style decks then, or um? I think I don't think it's that. I think it's more or less like people are predicting what's going to happen in the sense that there's artifact sets coming out this year, and why not buy up artifact removal? Very true. We've we've seen in Kamigawa there's so many vehicles, and vehicles being able to dodge sorcery removal would definitely put a, a higher premium on cars like Bedevil. Yes. Okay, so keeping an eye on the Japanese market for Pioneer. That, that, yeah, because when you said that, that, that blew my mind, uh, that there is such a, a a degree of format difference because really you can't like chuck a rock in any MTG content creator's sphere and not like hear something about modern. Uh, but Pioneer, you kind of got to like dig around a little more before people are uh, t- started, started talking about Pioneer. It's starting to get, again, starting to get talked more now because Star City and their SCG cons is putting it on their roster and more people are starting to like, oh, Pioneer is still a thing and stuff. So that's how I literally shot my shot with them too. Oh, did you? Yeah. Like I, I was like, hey, SCG. Um, so what's good? I'm gonna shoot my shot. And next thing you know, two minutes later, they just follow black. They just follow back, and they was like, "We're waiting for drip." And I was like, "All right, sweet, nice, fucking sick." In that from SEG, man. I was honestly not expecting that. And now you're gonna be like requested to come and show up at. Uh, they got Chicago. Chicago's coming up at SEG Con. Indy. Indy. Okay. Yeah, Indy. That's Chicago the, okay. Land is um, what's the? It's the Nerd Rage Gaming. That's, that's their area. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. They're kind of developing. I don't think I don't think it'll be a requirement for me to show up. I think it'll be more or less like, like it's indie and like I'm so close and people are like, are you really gonna show up to indie? Maybe, maybe not. Got to get some probably, of that, probably get some of that fresh trip. Uh, and, okay, so this is another thing uh, that mm-hmm. I was gonna be asking you about. Um, back in live events, how often would you go? and see um, at vendors at these live events like selling 
these foreign cards and stuff because I imagine that would probably be where you could get easier access to foreign cards oh. due to the fact of like they didn't have to like put them up online where you got like insert whatever vendor name they didn't have to put online hey this is a a, a Russian life of the loam or this is a Korean pitiless plunder and stuff yeah. it saved SCG them. has a lot like that and it makes it yes, take forever do. to go through to figure out you know what they even have. So, like, when I went to SCG Con in Roanoke, I went to SCG Dice City Games and a few others, and uh, some of them actually had, like, foreign product they were selling, and I was buying most of it. Like, at one point, I um I was going to buy a uh, a full art, uh, full art Japanese Luris foil for, like, 130 mm-hmm. and which is, like, un- under what it should have been priced. When I went to go buy it, it was already gone. I'm like, God darn it. So that's But I actually... turned around and caught that Kahira for like $20. Oh, oh good. Yeah, Kahira is, of course, also seeing tons of play. You know, that's also been my experience back when the last GP Minneapolis they had, when Channel Fireball still had their thing. They're like, yeah, hey, we have a binder. It, ha- uh-huh. You know, everything is pretty, you know, everything in here is foil and it's foreign. We it takes forever to get to move online because you got to know what you're looking for. So like, mm-hmm. you know, now I have a French foil ginger tax for like twenty bucks. Yeah, I'll take that for yeah, twenty dollars. Sure. No problem. Take my yep. binder. I'll yeah. Um. Also, like at one point, like uh, by the way, shout out to like Jerry T and uh, Brian Golly from uh, Arena Deckless. So when I was oh, there man. at Roanoke, um, Jerry T actually came up to me and like we, I bought some cards off him for like a real really good price. Because he knew I was looking for like Japanese cards, because we had been playing for months for like to give me cards, and like one of the cards I have sitting on my desk now is like uh, like Karn the Great Creator, uh, Gideon Blackblade, and a few other. And there's there was also like a foil uh Japanese Archangel Avicen. Um, that that one was um, that one was uh, it wasn't a pre-release. It was a it was a pack foil. Oh, nice. Yeah, I honestly didn't notice that one until like I uh, until I got home and actually looked through the cards, and I was like, "Oh, sweet, fresh as can be." Facts. KJ, we have some questions from uh, some of our listeners that uh, I'm listening. I, 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 they are very interesting. So we got uh, Christian in the Discord. He asked. Uh, Japanese or U.S. language or Spanish stuck out tongue for adios uh, coming out uh, in farewell from Kamigawa. Uh, for displays or only singles, what are your thoughts on Japanese, U.S. language for displays or only singles? For displays? Yes. Hmm. What do you mean for displays? I'm assuming like uh, like framing up or uh, putting in or putting in some fancy uh, not not playing specifically probably uh he doesn't go into too much detail on that part but there are more Um, questions he has probably russian russian or japanese those would be the ones that you'd want to put up uh put up in frames yeah all right okay next question is is it worth it to complete the the glass stained planeswalkers and keep them if you have around 20 now uh, the worst bark ones or buy the rest now or wait like what, what are your thoughts with the the stained glass planeswalkers. 
Oh, the stained glass walkers because they were they printed so many of them. Jesus Christ! Oh God! Well, what for two years they were the sec- they were the secret yeah, they thing. Yeah, they printed a lot of them. And so um, curve bad because it, it it was a foil during well, sort of where they currently have it now, where the, we get potato chips. <laughs> Man, I got um, Pringles at home that have less curve than that. You can make a if, bed mattress out of those things. If if I'm being a hundred percent honest, um, I wouldn't even do stained glass. I would do um, the uh, the Japanese altar walkers. If you're gonna go foil, because those are harder to reprint. Very true. Because those are those are such a those are such a niche. The art is so exclusive to that that particular set, and it's such a uh, niche art that um that investment over over time is just gonna grow. Those those planeswalkers are done by the Kogeda Studios, which have done a vast majority of the art for Kamigawa this time around again. Yes, and J- and Japan loves their artists. They they do great stuff. As, as we as we found out with uh, Soren, um, the Mirthless in Japanese, like that card's like ninety dollars. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah, did, like did... in America, it's like forty five. Japan is like ninety dollars. It's ridiculous. Now, do you know if they also did the Japanese or the Japanese mystical archives? Because that's the only other big uh, alternative anime-style printing that I can think of that they've done since War of the Spark. I'm know, not a hundred percent sure. Um, however, I did just buy uh, the Jap- the Japanese foil altered uh, girl spirals. Oh yeah, those are nice. Yeah, I had to change up on girl spirals, and I got sad. Them grow spirals. Mm. They look so good. Okay. We, we got Christian asking still, uh, a chance, what, are, what do you think of a chance of more anime prints or older reprints in an anime style? Oh, I'm definitely thinking that's happening in the near future. We just had some in Kamigawa. The, uh, the three mana walker. Uh, Kaito. Just, yeah, Kaito. Uh, he just got printed in like, uh, like a Metal Gear Solid frame. Oh, that was, um, uh, was that Metal Gear? Was that either? It was either Metal Gear Solid or um, uh, the uh, that wasn't Kaito. That was printed in the Metal Gear Solid by uh, Yoji uh, Yoji. Oh, I can't remember his last name, but that was uh, Umazawa, the new Umazawa. Yeah, that so, was Umazawa. Satero, that, that art was fire. I think it's Satero Umazawa. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that is a card I am totally gonna be framing up because uh, to those that listen to the podcast. I am a huge fan of Metal Gear Solid. Huge fan. And when I first saw that art, I'm like, that is very much like Metal Gear. And then seeing the art, the, the, the artist, I'm like, that is Metal Gear. I lost my shit. I lost my yep. shit. I love that. It looks so beautiful. And I am waiting. They are, they have to. If they don't, they blue balled me for sure. But they have to drop a secret lair of, uh, of the Metal Gear artist of just whatever cards from Kamigawa. Like, they just put whatever cards in that art style. I am going to be buying that 100% of the time. Yep, and it's going to cost you $40. $40 is the best $40 ever. I'll buy 10 I bought so many of the their The foil sh- will be $40. The non-foil will be $30. Yep. Buy them both. Don't care. That's such a great deal. Unless they do a super drop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or, yeah they do a super drop, and then everything gets a little bit cheaper. So, so, so this is just me and my personal question, Jay. What are your thoughts on Metal Gear? <laughs> I like Metal Gear. 
Metal Gear is such a great game. Were you were you on the hype train from the beginning when you first got Metal Gear Solid, or was it like later on where you just like started to be like, what is Metal Gear? People talk about this, and then you just got like full on yanked inside and be like, okay. it was it was later on after I started playing, and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Okay, good to know. Good to know that that is some dope ass brownie points, I'd say, because <laughs> I love Metal Gear. This weekend, Solid Snake. Snake. Or it should be this week in cardboard boxes, but yeah. I'd be fine with that. All right. Um, we have some more questions here for you real quick. If you play Commander and need all cards only one time, is it worth selling your surplus of res- revised duels now or wait? Oh, can, can you say the question again? Okay, so if you play Commander and need uh-huh. all cards only one time, is it worth selling your surplus of revised duels now or wait wait yeah i say i think that's um if you need the cash sure sure uh, you know keep one offload it but if you if they're not burning a hole in your pocket keep just hold on to one yeah yeah like they're, yeah. they're gonna do nothing but just go up put them in a safe put them somewhere safe if you're not gonna use them and next thing you know you can buy a house in like a year or two yeah yeah okay jay now this is gonna be a very um saucy topic but what are your thoughts on the reserve list <laughs> um it's there <laughs> i honestly have no opinion on it very middle ground very nice okay um when it comes to like picking up reserve list cards then uh do you since you're you don't it doesn't it doesn't matter to you is the reserve list picking up reserve list cards just kind of like eh, whatever and you just like keep an eye out for like good deals on uh dual land or on uh og duels and stuff like that um yeah i usually do like i haven't seen me personally i haven't seen like a good duel like a good deal yet to the point where like all right i need to pick up duels but like it it's it's on my radar eventually because eventually i i believe it or not i'm gonna have to insure my cards so i'm like all right uh i might eventually pick up duels anyway no that's very solid yeah especially with uh with the drip you're talking about when you're saying like, yeah, hey, this card's worth, you know, really anything over $100 or in that range. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Jay, give us a bit of a flex. Like how how large is your collection? How do you keep your collection secured? Like do you have deck boxes? Do you have like a those library index card archives? Do you buy like, your I have, I have boxes and deck boxes right now because like the way the pandemic has been. Mm-hmm. and i have yet to like actually sort it per se but like i know where everything is the the classic it's not a mess it's organized in my head i know where things are i know which box they're in kind of a kind of a sorting mentality sort of yeah. like um like right now on my desk is like the foil japanese triumphs oh, this is so good those triumphs are such good cards yes Sh- jay do you have any speculative thoughts on Streets of New Capenna and the possibility of them since, since it was... Triumphs. Are they going to do Street Triumphs? I'm pretty sure you're going to do Street Triumphs. It makes the most sense because they said... It, I know they said it was going to be a three-color set. Yes. And like, and when you think about it, like the only three colors they, they can do is shards because they just got done with Ikoria and Ikoria was um wedges. Mm-hmm. So I think in New Capenna we get the uh, shards. And and then they just gave us dual. They just gave us uh, both sets of dual lands recently in in a strat. Oh, those those lands are so, so like 
the best. So like if you if you know if you know how they um how can I put this? If you if you know how they do if you know how they do lands, um I think I think it just makes the most sense to do the other triomes. And so like realistically, like if they do the other triomes, like Pioneer is probably gonna take off pretty hard. That is definitely something uh, we still hear with Pioneer is the allied lands are the toughest right now to, yes, to, they to, are. to get the, the, the good color fixing because they don't have the the pain lands that were printed in that time frame of Pioneer, correct? Was that? Is what that is, what that is correct. Like uh, like the brush land, for example. Also, the brush land is like super expensive. There yeah, it's go. like 10, 15 bucks, isn't it? More, I think it's more than that. Oh, I see. It, it could be, but God, that just sounds so weird to hear that the allied lands are the ones that are harder to find because that has, of course, traditionally not been the case. Uh, the brush land is like $20. Okay, I gotta steal some from my brother then. I mean, uh, <laughs> reacquire some. I know the black red one is like super expensive for no reason. Yeah, the black red one is like $20. That's that's hot. That's ridiculous. It like, is quite hot because one of the black red ones, if I remember correctly, one of the arts has like this devil or some kind of guy sitting in a tar pit. Of course, he doesn't have a shirt on, so you know that's for me. But yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, deck masters. Deck masters. Oh, are th- are these the card? Hold on, deck masters. This is this is the other game that Wizards makes, right? I think so. Okay, in Japan. And it, 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 it takes it's it's been taken off more in Japan, and they have a bunch of like where they're reprinting magic card magic cards in the deck masters style. I think so. Okay, is that what you're going with with this? Possibly. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure they're following follow along with this here. Way to dodge. I'm, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure. I just I just looked at my phone. I was like deck masters, and I was like what? We we um sidestep every single question that he had for you. That's uh, some ninja flexibility. but um, Also, I didn't know the 7th edition foil of Sulphur Springs was like $600. Oh, what? Oh, God. 7th edition. So 7th edition would have been white what, border, what? but it's foil, so it would, it would be black border then. But it 7th edition would be an old frame. Yeah, because there's only like one listing on a TCG player, and it's like $538.18. Oh, okay, gotcha. That is definitely one of the, with seventh edition foils. Wasn't there something extra special about seventh edition? Like, there's people out there that are trying to do a seventh edition foil collection where they get a single copy of each seventh edition foil because there's something like special of the time, special of the printing. Was it the black border because there are there's something very special about seventh edition, especially like um, the, I think the art changed a bit. I know the L, I know Lanoir Elves is very expensive too. That's for 7th edition. I want to say certain cards had their um, text box modified. A big one being, is it time spot, stop is the one, is the big blue spell that automatically ends the turn. I think that's what it is. Because instead of having reminder text, it literally just says, end the turn. Which mm. sounds I'm really cool. Now. I, I'm going to fact check myself too. So, okay. while, while you're fact checking here, we do have another question of... Uh, from Christian asking, I have a werewolf deck. You said time stop? I want to say it was time stop. From 7th edition. Time stop was in 10th edition. Oh 
maybe I yeah. I'm trying to think if it's if it's the right card. Yeah, I think it's the right card, but uh time stop uh tenth edition says end of turn straight. Okay, yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. And, it, and it has a text box that says remove all spells and abilities on the stack from the game. Okay. Yeah, this is what the tenth edition foil one looks like. And that is like a beautiful. The tenth edition foil? Yeah, no, it's a tenth edition foil that is modified and only says end the turn. Yeah. Oh wow. That is beautiful. So clean, concise, just end the turn. Very chef's kiss moment right yeah. there. Those foils are expensive too. Yeah. Definitely going to have a pretty penny with that. Okay. Uh, we imagine we're getting very close to the end of time here for you, Jay, and we definitely want to respect that. Uh, one More questions. I have time. Oh. D- d- do not say that. Wrong me. words. Yes. Wrong words. Because I can talk all nights. Everybody here can attest to this. And all our listeners, they he, know. He will he will fall asleep while talking to you because he doesn't want to stop asking questions. My brain just keeps going like that. If people want to ask me questions, I'm more than welcome to. Okay. So we got Christian asking here, I have a werewolf deck. Black yes. and white or the Midnight Hunt frame? Uh, so like the, uh, the, the double feature or the Midnight Hunt style frame. What will be the longer time value to max out the deck from foil to non-foil perspective? Do you believe the double frame is a very interesting foil. I think I think the uh, double feature it all it all depends on the uh, it, de- it depends on the foil. Have you got your hands? Have you seen any of the double feature? Because I know that there's some. Double I've seen a few of them. The consider looks sweet. The consider does. They look way and better in person than they do online. Do yes. You, okay. Because like uh like the foil like the uh outlining of the foils it actually pops. Mm-hmm. That's that's always like one of the downsides to me. Whenever you see like cards that are supposed to have like special treatment, like when they first were talking about etched foils during Commander Legends, it's like they couldn't really describe the card or you could see the card well enough until you saw it in person. And I definitely feel with the the, the silver border double feature cards, that is definitely another thing. Like the 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 digital assets of them that you see online are definitely mm-hmm. not going to compare to what they look like in person. And there's so many people online that are talking about just the value, first off, of Double Feature because you're getting, like, for the price of one pack, you could buy a Crimson Vow and a Midnight Hunt pack and kind of get the same cards, just not in that art style Yes, and, and, and stuff. And I guess that brings another question of how do you believe Double Feature is going to be seen in the future because of something like this? You got people that are looking at this as a, a deal value of where... For the same price, I get more cards buying just the original packs and not the not the the double feature. Do you believe that then will help double feature be a more expensive product in the future? I don't know to be honest. Um, to be honest, I think it's something Wizards just tried to see if it'll work or not. Okay, what do you think of Wizards trying different things like stuff like this? I know I'm a big fan of Wizards trying different product because you know more product. If they make more product, the consumers are the winners. There's going to be more yes. stuff out there for everybody, but then you're always going to have you know consumers that are going to be poo-pooing on it for whatever X, Y, Z reason. Yeah, usually stuff. whales, especially because it's like I got to buy everything. You don't actually have to buy everything, but <laughs> you buy what you want. Yeah, if if you want everything, then I guess yeah, you have to buy everything, but just make sure to pay rent. Exactly, pay your bills first. I am definitely a fan of um. Like wizards trying different things, especially if it's for the consumer, like, like, re- like, re- like reprinting cards. Like, I am okay with that. 
like them reprinting shocks. I am okay with that. Those those shocks coming out in uh, they look gorgeous. Infinity. Oh my god, so good, so good. I am hyped for that. I'm definitely a little sad about uh, the the hold on release for Infinity uh, to later in Q2 because it was supposed to get released on April Fools, but then they ha- said they had to hold it back. Um, that was their joke. Oh, that was the joke. That would be sad if that was the joke. It's just like. We'll tease you I'll guys. Be messed up. <laughs> Watsy's not that smart. Okay, so he, if, if we're going to talk about Unfinity real quick, uh, I don't know how much you keep your ear to the ground on like Unfinity releases, but uh, also for listeners out there, if you don't want any like Unfinity talk and stuff, like maybe skip ahead like an extra minute or something here. But the, the, the there was this conversation, there was this thread online on Reddit where they were talking about the reason for the delay for uh, for Infinity is because of a printing issue with these cards specifically having like artist signatures on them or something in that in that in that degree. Uh, so when it comes to not ser- serializing, no, uh, um, trademarking, no, not trademarking, like what they did with the the Visser like putting numbers. Uh, what's the what's the term and stuff? Stamping. Like yeah, stamping. Like a, a oh, more, gotcha, a more yeah. specific, like stamp and stuff, like the potential to do this with infinity and causing a delay. Uh, I, I guess it's more of like your general thoughts on, on something like this, uh, whether it be with potentially infinity or just looking back at Visser seer as uh, a serialized stamped card. Um, things like that. I rather, uh, if it's for like the sake of that, I rather like make sure they get it right. than like to release something and it's just not the best product. Yeah, if that we, makes any sense. We don't want alchemy on cards. Yes. <laughs> what? I mean, they just have to do, you know, like a, a holographic foil thing where if you look at it from the left, we're, it says one thing. We're going to give you, you NFTs. Right, it says something else. We're going to give you NFTs with the correct oh, artwork. <laughs> yeah, we're not, yeah, we're not doing it. <laughs> Remember, wizard. <laughs> Magic cards are already expensive as, as, they, as they are. Right? Uh, Hasbro. Hasbro. Um, uh, Chris Cox when he was no not Chris Cox uh, Brian Goldner Brian Goldner on one of the previous uh, investor meetings they did mention that Hasbro is looking at NFTs uh, nothing has ever come out past that and stuff but NFTs is something not surprising I, I mean like it's, it's the hot thing it's very much the hot thing and I don't know I guess let's get into this week in a topical conversation when it comes to NFTs, you got so many people, so many people doing very easily rip rippable off things that are causing to have that, that are causing NFTs to have bad names. The biggest one, Hit Piece, is a website. That, oh my! Yeah, that's the monkey one. No, 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 that's nope. not the monkey one. Hit Piece is a website that just uh, uh, minted. A bunch of artists, like a range of artists ranging from like Katy Perry to Helian Prime and stuff like that. And Planeswalker. Planeswalker also got hit. Metal Band got, got got this as well. But this one website minted all of their their albums, their artwork as NFTs and did not give them credit, did not inform them that this was happening. There's a class action lawsuit uh, as of the end of last week that was getting submitted to shut down hit piece and stuff and so like 
the NFT world is 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 getting shucking up in a way that is definitely having people with the money not want to put money in there. But you got like diehards that believe that NFTs can be like very beneficial and stuff. Like it is fr- it is fraught with legal complications. At, that's all I can say about it. That is fraught with legal <laughs> complications because yeah, technically they just committed theft by saying that with this owned, NFT yeah. that we now own this. Well, you can't do that because you, if it, that's going to go a whole, down a whole thing of <laughs> that's a rabbit hole you know, we do don't you have, have time for. Claim of copyright and also, well, if you own something and you create something, and you put a different IP on it, but if you don't sell it, technically it's for personal use, and that could, yeah. We'll avoid that. It's a rabbit hole we don't want to yeah. go down. We'll we'll have to get you on Noah for a separate this week in legalese. Oh, God, no, I don't want to. <laughs> we already have twenty other podcasts we're supposed to do, Matt. We don't need another one that we're never going to do. We can do this under this week in business law. There we go. See, we're we're consolidating podcasts together. Oh my God, we got this, Danny. We got this. J NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> this is a rabbit hole. I don't want to go down. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So wrapping it up back to magic here, reeling it in. We're going to quickly like, uh, make a quick comment here. We have someone in the Twitch chat saying, holy, you have the drip God on. Uh, Wade 97 in the chat says that. So you got, you got some good, uh, name recognition out there. Thank you. Thank you. And I mean, I knew, I knew you did because again, I, I like everything that you, that you, you've done. I love listening to you on brewing with conviction and stuff, but back to magic. So, uh, you were recently talking about on Twitter that you were playing uh, a vehicle decks in some pioneer qualifiers. You want to talk about that real quick? I was playing vehicle decks and qualifiers. Yeah. Or, or am I, or am I not, or am I thinking? So, um, what I did mention is that, um, I think there is there's definitely um going to be vehicle decks to take a look at in the coming in the coming set with Kamigawa due to Gre- Grease Fang is definitely a card because like if you have a pair if you have a pair of Helion in a graveyard you know you can pair of Helion comes out and you get two four fours. Which card is this? Uh, Grease Fang. Grease Fang. Uh, Obakar Grease Fang. Card's gas. Oh, uh, it's, it's the legendary creature. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, it's the biker and it, gang leader. Yeah, and it, and it lets you get a vehicle out of your graveyard, and it has haste. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, vroom, vroom, motherfucker, let's go. Yeah, and that's the thing. It doesn't have a mana restriction, like something that No, it doesn't. Out of and I'm it. like, the first thought that came to my mind, I was like, uh, all right, grab Perihelion, uh, swing with it. Uh, Perihelion said you get two four four angels. And that's just a beater right there. Um, Perih- that is a beating. That just got announced as a reprinting in the upcoming Commander vehicle set. Uh, yep, and I and I bought Japanese foils. Hot. Yep. So vehicle decks being very, I mean, definitely vehicle decks are going to get like an adrenaline shot in their arm as soon as as soon as Kamigawa gets released and stuff. And I also like that land too that they gave us. Uh, which land? The Boseju? No, uh, Mech. Um. Oh. <sighs> Let's see. I What's got it right here. Land? It's Mech Hanger. Yes. Land is gas. That is good. It's you you want to read it? Yeah, so you want to read it with it real quick? Okay. Mech Hanger. Land. Tap. Add colorless. Tap. Add one mana of any color. Spend this to only cast a pilot or vehicle spell. And then its last ability, the key ability, the gravy to this. 
Three, tap. Target vehicle becomes an artifact creature till end of turn. Oh, yeah. that. Oh, then you could do some like board wipe shit and then like still pay the mana to... Yeah, you don't need you, you you won't need a creature out on the battlefield to crew a vehicle having mech hanger out. You just need your four mana. Essentially, you're just kind of like doing a, 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 a an extra step to a creature land kind of a thing going yeah, on here. Yep. Four mana to to make your Parhelion just start smacking face or the uh, the Bankbuster. The Bankbuster, I love that card. It's the uh, the Maze Mind Tome on a on a vehicle. Yeah, do you want to read that one out again, too? There's just so many new cards that I'm going to ask you to read them out. Right, right. Because the set, again, the set just came out fully released on Friday. So, uh, Reckoner Bank Buster. For two, you get a 4-4 artifact vehicle. It enters the battlefield with three charge counters on it. You pay two, tap, remove a charge counter from Reckoner Bank Breaker, draw a card. Then if there are no charge counters on Reckoner Bank Buster, create a treasure token and a 1-1 colorless pilot creature token with this creature crews vehicles as though it its power were two greater. And it has a crew of three. Cards gas. It's just yeah, with the, the, the mech hanger, just four mana, just start smacking for four. Like the value there is just pretty solid already. Four mana, four damage. Yep, it's gonna be good. I like, in, like the, late game I like the other one too. That's a that's a form. I think it was a four mana five five, and when it enters the battlefield, it deals damage twice the number of ve- to the vehicles you own to uh, target creature, planeswalker, your opponent controls. Yeah, so this is just a it's a surge hacker mech, and it just enters and shocks something right away, because it counts itself, and the thing has menace after the fact, and then you just start adding more like. Uh, Looter scooter, get 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 like a looter scooter in like modern or even in pioneer. Because no, is looter scooter banned in pioneer? Yep, yep. Okay. Because it's busted. It is a good card. It is such a card. Good. Is extremely busted. Totally balanced as all things should be. It crews for one, and it's flying. It's a it's it's flying three three. That that loots you that loots you cards. I remember I remember that, uh, being. Very prominent in the beginning of Pioneer then. And I just couldn't remember if it did get banned or if it was still around or if it was one of the cards. What was the one that got unbanned? Um, Othanissa. That was banned and then unbanned, correct? Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. I was happy that they unbanned that card. Is it just because... It, it, it's reasonable now. Okay. What was the thing that was making it unreasonable then? Was it just... Uh, Leyline of Abundance was stupid. Leyline of Abundance is really good. That's the one that allows uh, mana sources to non non land mana sources to add yeah, an additional. Yeah, it's like well, I I always see it as like the booster to your Linwar Elf and Mir and and whatever. Yep. Okay. Okay. God, this is such a word dense set. I need everybody else to form opinions on things before I even start reading because there's so many words on every card in this set. So speaking of yep. cards in this set, Jay, are there any cards particular, uh, other cards that you are like honed in on, whether it be for just like uh, Pioneer or just Tamiyo. Like the new Tamiyo? Yeah, I, I especially like the borderless art. Dude, first off, that, the, either Tamiyo art looks gorgeous. It is such a good card. And um, what, okay. What do you think of the completed mana that comes along with Tamiyo? A uh, quick read for the listeners out there. Tamiyo is two green, blue, and then hybrid Frexian 
blue green uh it's referred to as completed so completed mana is this hybrid it says it can be paid with either green blue or two life if life was paid this planeswalker enters the battlefield with two fewer loyalty counters it has a plus one of tap up to one target creature or, or one target artifact or creature it doesn't untap uh during its controller's untap next untap step and then neg x of exile target non-land permanent card with mana value x from your graveyard, and you create a token that's a copy of it. And then a neg seven of create Tamio's Notebook, a legendary colorless artifact token with spells you cast cost two less to cast and tap draw a card. Someone's going to find a way to break that card. It has Phyrexian mana. It, it, it's just like calling that, out for that, right? That is the scary part. Because even, um, what was it, Jar- what was it Jarvis U, when um, he posted the card, and he was like, he was like planeswalkers with Phyrexian mana, and I was like, and he and he gave the look emoji. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's about to get real. I do like though that it is. I'm not gonna say balanced, but I I like that there's an attempt at balancing by making it come in with less loyalty if you want it cheaper. Yeah. What do you think this means for like future planeswalkers though? Now that they have something like completed in. How many more planeswalkers in future sets? Story are we wise, see? or like actual card wise? Card wise, like, I mean, and story. Card, wise, card, card wise, one of them is going to be broken. Yeah. Oh God. We, yeah. It's a matter of that, time. That, that's a that's a given, and Dude. and it's going to happen on accident too. Watch. We're gonna get uh, we're gonna get a Tezzeret complete. We will not. No. no. Because oh, there's Jace. a story reason why. It's because oh. he, it'll, he'll, he's all. Behind it'll probably it. be Jace. A Frexian Jace. They could. I, if anything, they can go Frex and Garuk. All right, then. Or Garrick. I or think or Liliana. Well, we know we'll probably have a Frexian Tibalt just based on the story with Kaldheim. Uh, the reason why Tibalt decided to fuck up a bunch of things on Kaldheim is because he encountered the pile of bones and mush that was um, Versinclex when he basically landed there because it stripped all of his flesh away so he's basically just his metal he had to kill a deer then he started to slowly build up flesh uh and then tibalt crossed him and he infected him and said hey i'll give you the antidote but you need to go ahead and do these things and start you know his, his ultimate vorinclex's ultimate goal was to get access to the fluid in the world tree but we do know that tibalt has some phoresis in him or has some kind of poison but it's probably the oil on him um, oh, so we do know Tibalt will probably be one of the people. I've been reading a lot lately. So definitely Tamio is not going to be the only Phyrexian planeswalker, quote unquote Phyrexian planeswalker, with potential completed mana going on. No, I mean she's. I mean, of course she's the first one, uh, which is good that they kind of pulled a gut punch story wise for that. But it, it will be interesting who else they will be. Uh, I will say Tezer will not because in the story when he originally went to Mirrodin besieged, he received or. Mirrodin at the time, he received some kind of repellent or antidote injection or something that prevents him from uh, moving towards uh, complete phoresis and being completed. Mm. So that's why he's able to work with all of the Phyrexians. Uh, also, there is a at the time, there's a slight advantage of the spark being attached to the soul, and Phyrexians can't have souls, therefore they can't have sparks, so it would act as a interplanary agent on their behalf. Now they have access to the reality chip, which allows them to complete a planeswalker, which somehow must still maintain their soul, but that's that's even more. That was that was Ozring basically down the rabbit hole. It's uh it was after the mending. 
when the mending broke, then planeswalkers can be completed because their souls are no longer uh, protected, or their spark isn't protected, or they're not protected by the spark. Yeah, well, it. I think, listening to a different podcast, it was like, you know, pre-mending walkers had absolute control over their bodies, yep. so they could get infected, but then they just shoot that infection out. Yeah, because the yeah, first spark would protect yeah, them. Yep. Yeah, versus now where they're mortal. Yep. They are not gods anymore, so. Yep. So what kind of uh, pioneer shell do you think <laughs> that Tamio could go in That's here, Jeff? cut. <laughs> Something with Mox Amber. Ooh, Mox Amber. Mox Amber shenanigans. Is um, Kethis. Kethis? The, the Abzan? Kethis? No. The card's banned. Kethis red. It is banned. Oh, okay. okay. I was about to say. For, for, for reasons. Okay, okay. Oh, man. It always made me wonder with Pioneer cards getting banned, like could could some of these cards like get re-looked at in modern to to, to have a shot, you know? Possibly. So if you could do like maybe Kethis Mox Amber with Tamio or something. They'll have to they'll have to print another Mox, which is I think we're probably getting one this year anyway. If you think about it. Oh, totally. With Dominaria coming out, like that feels uh, either so. Either Dominaria or uh, Brothers are probably getting another Mox. Yeah, and, and knowing their pattern, like the only cost on it is going to be one Phyrexian mana, <laughs> or zero, or zero. Well, both both bad, but no restrictions otherwise. I am perfectly yeah. No, I'm totally fine with uh, more Moxes because anything with a Mox is going to be holding some kind of value. Um, the one from first. Modern Horizons with a spend three. Ah, Moxum. What's the name of it? Modern Horizons, suspend three. Mox Tantal. There we go. Mox Tantalite. Mox Tantalite. Yeah, that card's like $7. And it's like $24 as a foil. Yeah. So that card was Uh, like. Mox Amber is like $40. That's yeah. picked up because it pairs very well with Regavan. In, yes, in and Ohio. um, well, any any, I mean, Commander. It's it's a weird rocking Commander, but like, it, there's still a lot of things, and it's free. And we and it is Legendaries Matters this year. Yes, yeah, and and, and Mox Amber pairs with the uh, Emery combo deck. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. You got that as well because you can keep bringing it back because it keeps making the blue to keep. Well, it pairs with, uh, was that uh, Elk Commander, the Nea Commander from 2013? Oh, uh, Marith. Yeah, Marith. Marith. That's 2013 magic. Yeah, that, that goes infinite a couple different ways. Well, Marith goes infinite in a lot of different yep, ways. Yeah, I'm just saying that's. Was, well, that Mox Amber was the key that. opponent for that. Right, right, that right. combo, so. And, yeah. The amount of legendaries I were getting and Mox Amber being a forty dollars didn't that thing drop down to like fifteen, ten dollars at some point? Yeah, it yeah. was pretty cheap for a while. Well, because the argument was it's ba- it, it's bad. Why would I want a mana rock out when I already have my legendary creature out? Yep. But yeah, if you have like a Ragavan out or you know you know, let, no, let's think in the most competitive mindset. If you have an Isamaru, a Hound of Conda out. It allows you to, you know, get three mana on turn two, and that's pretty good. Yeah, and and the 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 typical magic play, no matter what format, if you do turn one to turn three, 
that gives you a really solid advantage, a really solid board state, no matter what mm-hmm. format that you're in. Like going, going uh, Land of War Elf into insert some good three drop. Uh, I mean, Oka was the three drop of choice for a while and stuff. But fuck Oka. Oh jeez, yeah, God, man. That Jesus, is- all, right, all right, Dan. <laughs> I am. I'm a very. I'm a very heavy uh, fuck blue player. Um, and anything, I'm sorry. To, any and anything to deal with it. I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, he, he was hurt as a child, so you can blame Matt for that. Who hurt you, Matt? Sorry. <laughs> Commander Mono Blue only. Let's go. I am a uh, yeah. I'm a blue mage, and I love to uh, make Danny cry, or at least squirm. But then I get kicked in the shin. I like playing blue sometimes. I play blue, but I don't play counter blue. Matt I play pl- counter blue sometimes. Matt plays counter blue heavily. Mono blue control is so fun in all formats. Even though anything, I usually get my knees, you know, knees caved in. It's still so fun to play. So Jay, what is your uh, archetype of choice that you prefer to play then? Mid range. Uh, oh, I can I can realistically play anything, but like if there's like a good mid range deck, I'll play it. Like one of my favorite decks um, that I enjoyed playing was uh, when we had Tamio, Tef, and uh, Dream Trawler, and Elspeth Conquers Death. Yes. And Nissa and Narset. Yeah, that, that deck was gas. And and any deck that you put a Dream Trawler in, I was already sold on because that thing was that thing was good. That thing was a house. And it's it's really unfortunate that it kind of like I mean it makes sense. It's not really a modern playable card. You see it in Commander as like just a solid big beater that Commander decks want, but it 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 it, it had its moments. It's had it it had its fifteen minutes of fame, and it's kind of sad because that was a very awesome card in my opinion. I've been clap- another deck. Another deck I liked playing was uh, Mardu Vehicles during like Standard, and uh, I liked playing Red Right Out. Uh, Red White Outpost Siege. Oh, Outpost Siege. Those decks were intense because Outpost Siege was the only thing that was doing what it was doing back at that time. Yeah, Outpost Siege didn't even make a pro tour. That was the messed up part either. Did it not? Uh, it was in between sets. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, it was in between sets and then Fate Ref- and then uh, well, I think it was Fate Reforged that came out or Dragons of Tarkir. Like next thing you know, like as soon as Dramoko's Command came out, like that deck just stopped. Yeah, that'd do it. That'd put a putting an answer in a lot of decks that would uh, stop that. Yep. Any more questions from anyone? Well, I was actually just looking, and that was all the questions that we had from our Discord and on Twitter. So, Sweet. Jay, do you have any final thoughts that you want to like drop here, real quick, on like foreign cards, Pioneer, just a, a, a moments of Jayisms. <laughs> here's your podium you know go ahead and speak buy real estate buy all the staples <laughs> sorry I'm, I'm just sending snaps your way yeah i agree yep that's that that yep 100 percent. jay when in doubt when in doubt buy real estate yeah worst case scenario you're giving yourself access to play future decks yep and even if you never end up using them Cool. Then just sell them for roughly probably what you bought them for, if not a little bit more. Yep. Jay, thank you so much for agreeing to come on. It blows. Thanks for having me. Blows my mind. This is great. Uh, 
if I'd love to get you back on again at some other point, if whenever you're available, maybe we'll get you on for Streets of New Campana stuff, or maybe we'll get you back on for Dominaria stuff if interested. Both of those sound dope. Fucking right, I'm in. Jay, give us uh, where people can follow you. Where where can people find you? At MTG Drip. And seriously, if if you follow us, he is a better follow than us. If you follow us, you can easily just follow follow him good stuff there and um yeah any place else like do you happen to have a shipping address or the location of your bank mother's maiden name ssn <laughs> uh, favorite baseball team first car you owned a uh, high school football team your mother's um, maiden name oh i already got that one but oh, yeah okay. for a second father's maiden name who knows it's 2021 or 2022 now uh any of the above information that you could send our way i would appreciate Preferably uh that'll be a no okay well uh, I tried. Major shots, you missed. Yeah, I don't care about the bank information, but I—I I mean, are you, are you I have no you... problem committing theft. And now, <laughs> so here, I thought you were just trying to get to know his mom a little more. Maiden name, find her online. Well, thank you to all you legendary magic folk for making it to the end of this episode of episode 124 of this week in MTG. Big shout outs to all of you for making it to the end. Thank you. It's greatly appreciated. It's amazing you did it. Big thank yous to our patrons who support this content. Big thank you to JW Sports Cards and Gaming for sponsoring us. And uh, go check them out for anything magic related that you are looking for. Now, do you guys have anything else you want to say before we end this podcast? No. Well, and with that, magic folk, we'll catch you next week. See ya. Later. Peace. Congratulations, you made it to the end of this week's episode of This Week in MTG. Your listenership means so much to us. Make sure to follow the podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or on the podcatcher of your choice. You can watch the live stream recording of the podcast every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time over on YouTube and twitch.com slash thisweekinmtg. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can send us a message to our Facebook, Twitter, or send us an email at thisweekinmtg at gmail.com. For all these links and more, check out our link tree at linktr.ee slash thisweekinmtg. Thanks so much! This Week in Solid Snake. Snake!